Squishy did. Return to Monkey Island. Hello, Squishies. Welcome to the Squishcast. I am Unviv. Return to Monkey Island. How are you feeling, Andrew? Return to Monkey Island. Really? And then what happened? Return to Monkey Island. I see. That is startling for sure. Return to Monkey Island. And did the doctor say when you might get your voice back? Return to Monkey Island. Not until the game comes out. And until then, you'll only be able to say the words Return to Monkey Island. Return to Monkey Island. Aww, that's so sad for all of us. Viv, we need to carry on because um, all I'll talk about is Return to Monkey Island if we don't. Um, so please tell us why am I talking like this. But please I tell don't us. know. I don't, I don't know. Please tell us what you've been playing, Viv. I'll tell you what I've been playing. What have you playing? I have one, uh, a slightly different game than what we're used to playing. Um, actually played a game in CEX the other day. I'm sorry. Wait, you played you played a game... They don't, they don't have games in CX. Do tell. Well, well, you'll, you'll be surprised. So this is what happened. This is the game, right? Are you ready? It's really fun. I'm so ready so for this. So I go into CX and I see... I saw that they had a PSP copy of the game Silent Hill a few days ago. And I thought, mm, it was a little bit expensive. It's quite expensive, but it's quite a hard game to find. It was £18, and I, but I was like, oh, I, I really want to experience it because I know we've talked about it before. And so I was curious, but I didn't buy it. And I thought, in a, in a few days' time, I go there again, and it's there, I will buy it. And so I went in a few days later. I went I went there, um, and it was I, I whizzed past. It was still there, so I thought, like, I don't have time right now because I was in a rush. I uh, can't remember what I was doing. So I just I was just ordering it online. Went online, make sure I reserved it, paid for it, all good. After I'd finished all of my uh, whatever I was doing on that day, I sent me an email saying that it was ready. So then I went in, gave them my order number, and she just gave me the disc. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, I'm really sorry. All I have is the disc. And I was like, what do you mean all, all, I, all I have is a disc? It's like, well, we've been looking for the past 30 minutes and no one can find this case. And from where I was standing, I just turned around and pointed at the case and I was like, the case is there? And he was like, you're kidding. And I was like, I'm I'm not kidding. Like, I, I saw, I know I wanted to buy the game because I saw it on your shelf. Like, the game is there on your PS, on your only tiny PSP shelf, like, at the beginning. <laughs> And you can literally see it from the counter, and that was the. That's what I've been playing. That's it's quite a fun I mean, game, I, isn't it? I was going to say it's a fun game, but that's a really frustrating game. It's that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that sounds more more difficult and more frustrating than a Dark Souls game. Honestly, every time I go, I think it's me because I think when I go into CX with you, something happens. Like every time <laughs> I go in there, something happens. <laughs> they just <laughs> never want to give me what I'm asking for. Like, please give me, like I've given you my money. Like genuinely, they had already put the refund through when I went to pick up the game. Wow. Yeah. So I had my, I was like, uh, so I had to buy the game again when I got there. Classic. Do you remember when we, uh, I think it was back during lockdown and we'd gone to buy something. It was quite a long queue because they were taking a while to 
to sort people. And a mum was selling something, I think, and her kid was just grabbing every game oh, God, from yeah. the shelf and just putting them all onto one shelf, oh. regardless of alphabetizing uh, what um, console they were for. This kid was just moving all of the games onto the bottom shelf, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, it, was, it was it was really painful to look at. It's just she was right there as well, and yeah. she wasn't saying anything. Like someone has taken a lot of time to make sure that that's in like presentable condition and you know alphabetized and stuff. And your kid is just destroying it in the past like five seconds. Yeah. Um. But yes. But we Classic always have CX. a fun. Yeah. We always have a fun time in CX. I did also at the same time. I bought Silent Hill. Uh, was when I also because I also bought a copy of Bayonetta everyone would be happy to know um which if you heard our uh, episode about nfts we have a, a discussion about uh bayonetta uh, as you know <laughs> following on from our video game ladies episode because it seems to be something that i have lots to say about for some reason so i thought <laughs> let me get the game so i can play it properly and tell you even more about it so i can bore you with it <laughs> so we... and, and even when i received that andrew I opened the case and she had left that instead of putting the disc into my case, mm-hmm. she'd put the, you know, the, how the disc comes in those the plastic, sleeve. yeah, the sleeve. She just put the sleeve in there. So I went back and I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. Did you mean to give me the sleeve as well? And honestly, she looked at me like I, I was crazy. And I was like, there's a sleeve in here. Do you need the sleeve? And she's like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm like, but, wow. but I want my disc wow. in my case. Do your job. <laughs> but other than my fun games yes. at CX, We've been playing Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. We have. We have indeed. With games and stuff. With games. It's controllers and shooting. It's been very fun. I'm really enjoying the the humour that's just like throughout the entire game. And the uh, uh, D&D references as well. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although, without spoiling the game, so we're not going to mention exactly what this is, we did leave off where we last played at quite a traumatic moment and uh, at time of recording, you're off to do some work, so we're not going to play for at least another week or two. Yeah. Um, and it was quite a traumatic. It's quite traumatic, yes. Yeah. I actually, uh, everything I'm doing right now has had quite a, a traumatic stop. Um, that's Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. I've also been watching uh, Arcane on Netflix. Okay. And um, I've also had to stop because it's been quite traumatic. So that seems to be the theme. Yeah. All right, tell us your thoughts on Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Yes, so, love the humour. You know, every time Tiny Tina opens her mouth is perfect. Uh, I love the uh, how they've set up the game. Because, uh, you, you know, thinking about the game, I was like, are they going to make us play as Tiny Tina? But then if we play as co-op, how's that going to work? Uh, so I, I've enjoyed, and I, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler because you find out, you know, that's how they set up the game, that Tiny Tina is essentially hosting a D&D game and you are in the D&D game, so, you know, it makes me feel okay about the fact that I'm not actually playing as Tiny Tina, but I get to interact with her in a different way. I like the, the st- that it's in the same style as the Borderlands. I'm not sure that I have a gun that I love yet, and it's very early on, so, you know, I think those things will come later, or, I mean, if you're playing with Joker the Wizard, we might already have, like, some sort of banging gun already. But I feel like I haven't got like a good gun that I really enjoy shooting uh, or like a good shotgun that's just got a really nice sort of like adaptive trigger or some like funny gun. I don't know. I haven't got that yet. So I think it's like slightly overwhelming in some ways. There's quite a lot going on. 
but um but yeah but i'm enjoying it i i just i think i've missed i've really missed playing borderlands um and the fact that it's now just revolving around tiny tina is great and obviously i've been enjoying my collector's edition uh, which includes a very cute butt stallion and lots of other cool stuff which I have posted on our Instagram so you can see. Although I am yet to build the castle, Andrew, because it's a lot of arts and crafts. Uh, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to take some time at some point and do that. But it seems like I'm gonna it's gonna take me a while. Um, so um, I haven't done that just yet. Um, how, how have you been? What are your thoughts on it? Um, well, this has just reminded me that uh, where we ran out of time between finishing Borderlands 2 and Borderlands 3 coming out, so never played the DLC. So you still haven't played the Tiny Tina DLC for Borderlands 2. I have not. Which this is sort of a expansion on that idea. So yeah. the her, her running a D&D campaign as therapy Oh, okay. Um, is one of the DLCs. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. That's very fun. Okay. It's so, so you remember PS Plus gave us a Tiny Tina game a couple of months ago? Uh yes, <laughs> you absolutely don't remember at all. Um, yes, sure. The that is a standalone version of the DLC. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes. Okay. Which is why people are a bit kind of weird about it when that was announced as a free game on Plus. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They're kind of the same as you. I I've just got a pistol that I quite like that. Um, I'm enjoying shooting people with, so that's quite fun. Uh, but yeah, my my opinions of it is basically the same as yours. Uh, we have played everything minus DLCs. Actually, we played all the DLC for three. Yeah, um, yeah. We haven't played the pre-sequel yet because again, we ran out of time between two and three. Yeah, back back, back in the before times. Not not together anyway. I have I have played the pre-sequel. Yes. Before, but we haven't managed to find some time to play it together. No. But we have also been working through the series with our friend Abby, so the plan is that once we finish, because we yeah. were p most of the way through two, so the plan is that once we finish two, we will play all the DLCs for two together, and then do the pre-sequel, and then hopefully get around to three, because uh, she was telling me the other day that you bought her a copy of three, is that right? I did, yes, so uh, when, when uh, she expressed an interest in um, playing the games, this is very early on in our friendship, she was she was uh, thinking about buying it, but she's like, "Oh, I'm not really sure yet because I've not played the other ones." Uh, but I think she owned them or something, and I know she. T I think she said she had one and two or something. I can't remember exactly the context, but I saw a copy in. Uh, I'm gonna say CEX, and I I bought it and sent it to her as a gift. There we go. Yeah, I feel like so it really cemented our friendship. Yeah, so we do have plans to get back to playing that all together soon. But yeah, it's actually it's at the time of release, we have a date in the diary in a few days' time that in which we'll we'll be carrying on with some Borderlands. Yay! So TBC Yay. on that one. We might be finishing that one soon. Games with lovely friend Abby. Yay! Indeed. What about you, Andrew? What have you been playing? What I wanted to talk about because I finally played Lake. We talked about this in one of the very early. Yeah, you did. You were very excited so about it. Yeah. That's something I was looking forward to. So it's finally out on PlayStation Five. Finally got a disc. The D um the the box comes with a um not a lovely cloth map like your oh, Tiny really? Tina, but it comes with a like a normal fold out map of of the lake and and the area surrounding oh, it nice. where everything is, which is 
which is really nice. Um, and yeah, it really is just delivering post. Oh, how are you finding that? I, it's so relaxing. Oh. I, I, honest, honest God, like, I, it really is not a game for everyone. So, um, do you remember when we played Firewatch on stream? Oh, yeah, and, yeah, I love that game. So I would say it's it's similar in idea to that, where it's quite yeah, yeah. tranquil. It doesn't have, like, the mystery thing that um, Firewatch had. Um, so that element isn't present. But it's it's quite a tranquil, just going about doing your job kind of a thing. Uh, as was described when we talked about it before, you meet people in the town. It's a very small little town. You can interact with them uh you can if you choose to you can we can date somebody that you meet well then. Uh, and there was one thing that i really appreciated about how they wrote that because uh i was trying to flirt with the lady that worked at the video store because she kept talking about movies and i was like oh i like you um but shocker yeah there's a man uh wood a woodsmith's cutter wood chop cut man what are they called do cut wooding. Anyway, there was yes. one of them, one of them mans called Robert, and you speak to him a few times, and he's trying to combat big business coming in. A carpenter? By... No, the cuts down trees. Cuts um, down trees. Never mind. Yeah, a company is trying to buy up a plot of land, bulldoze all the trees, and build apartments. And Robert's trying to combat this, and he's being pressured a lot by all the a lot of the poster delivering is people going buying the land we're buying the land we're buying the land and he's quite stressed but you know you you, you can build up a rapport depending on how you respond a lumberjack be... yes thank you so it's <laughs> gonna bother me carry on <laughs> <laughs> um like you can like generally most people you can just go here's your post and they're like hey do you want to talk to no no I, mm, no it's you can you can just know out of all conversations but you can actually chat to people and there was a point in which i'd offered to help robert with the legal work and the documentation he was going to do to try and stop this. And Robert asked me if I wanted to do that over dinner and a coffee. So he was asking me out. Right. And the the option, the, there was obviously the option was yes, if that's something you were interested in, if you liked Robert and you wanted to pursue that. And then there was there was one that just said no, I I I don't I would rather I don't want to do that. It was a very polite no, thank you. Yeah. I don't, and Robert just went okay. And that, that was the entire thing. It was just, he took that step. I said no, and he went, fair enough. And it didn't change the relationship beyond that at all. And we're still helping. And uh, I helped him do a radio advert to try and get people in the town to call up and be angry about them building apartments and stuff. So it didn't change anything. I just thought it was a really nice way of actually positively approaching that kind of situation which is usually yeah and, in, and have a bit of a better representation of guys yeah, as well it's, it's usually <laughs> very combative in those sort of situations yeah. it's just uh, that kind of media. like yeah. uh there was no other pursuit it was a consensual and nice kind yeah. of like well you know they said no i'm not in love therefore that's fine yeah so yeah i i genuinely it's a tranquil cute little game that i'm bimbling around um the the day starts, I look at where everything has to be delivered, and in my head I'm like, okay, well, this is the route I'm going to take, and then I'll go around the lake, and I'll drop things off here and here and here. And that's kind of what it is, and I talk to people. Then I end the day, and you get a phone call at the evening. Uh, maybe you've made plans with people. Uh, if somebody's like, oh, hey, do you want to come and hang out? 
like yes, oh, that's nice let's, so you can have like after work activities sort of thing. yeah so you've got a little you've got a diary that you you sort of keep um one of the one of the other things so the main character she works for a tech company she's taken two weeks off to go back to her hometown because her parents have gone on holiday to florida so you're doing your dad's postal route that's basically the gist of the thing but your company is just about to launch a big tech product so your boss calls you a couple of times during the week and is like oh i really need your help with these things that we need to do um, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the build-up to launch and again you can just say no you can be like dude i'm i'm not i'm not working no or you can say yes and help them and i said yes to both of them and the second one was he wanted me to check all the contracts and stuff before they sign it because they had got a because of the work I'd done on the first thing, they were getting an offer for this product. And I had agreed to go on a date to see a movie with Angie from the video store. And it made it impossible to do both the date and the document work. And I was like, shit, have I, am I going to fuck this up because I haven't done the document? So, oh, I hit my microphone, sorry. So the next night... He calls back and I. It, the first option was like, I'm really sorry, I haven't had time to do the things. And he's like, oh, okay. And, I was, and then the next option is like, I'll do it tonight. I was like, yes, I still get to do it Come on, work. yes. <laughs> so I was a bit worried. So yeah, you can d double book yourself and stuff, I think. That's quite, um, that's that's really, that's really cool, actually. Yeah. I, you know, I, I will also uh, temper this. And I, I'm not saying this is a negative thing just tempering people's expectations it's clearly a game made by a very small team on not a huge budget it's a it's a it's a definite indie game so have your expectations at indie game level um so you know that there's been a couple of um glitches here and there that just happen on on lower budget things but because that's my expectation i'm not it doesn't bother me the occasional texture pop in that happens right, yeah, yeah. is definitely not as bad as when we played gears 5 oh good I mean, that came on my time that came on on my time hop uh, not long ago it just made me roll my eyes i think by the end of the game everything was just smooth yeah yeah so you know a game like gears 5 if it continually and it did constantly not be able to load textures on the Xbox Series X, that is something I'm angry about because of the vast amount of money that went into making that. But, but yeah, but Lake doesn't have that budget, and it doesn't it doesn't really bother me that much. Like nothing's made the game unplayable, unpleasant. There's little things like there's no there's no animation for getting out of the the mail van. So you'll stop, you'll press the button, it fades to black and it fades up again and you're just standing outside the mail van. Yeah. It doesn't bother yeah. me. You know what I find that where like really massive advantage of like smaller companies, you know, like indie games is that I always find that they're the ones who have the better sensitivity towards characters and like actual real world events. So, you know, like that thing with the, you know, uh, whatever, Robert, whatever his name was, yeah. asking out and it being something that's fine. I find it in other smaller games where they're just really sensitive to that stuff. They understand the nuance. Well, they understand the world and they really just add it into their games as something that is normal, uh, which I sometimes find that the big games really don't get right. Yeah. Um. So that's, you know, something to look forward to in smaller games. I really love the, like the, the, the in, like I love big games, obviously, but like the indie section at uh, EGX, whenever we go, is always one of my favorites. 
I always they, find it's got like the most interesting variety of yeah. things that comes out. It's always in the indie section. Yeah, and they, they, they all seems to be a bit more. And again, not saying that big games don't have this, but there seems to be a, a different sort of passion in those smaller games. Yeah, and it's more personable. Yeah. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. But yes, Lake, uh, really, really enjoying it. Absolutely 100% my sort of experience. Again, appreciate that it's probably not everyone's thing. So if how I've described it sounds fine to you. Go and get it. It's, it. It is exactly what I've just described. The guys at Gamius have done done a little a great job on it we we had little chats in the in the dms with them they seem like a really nice bunch as well that's i mean that was your thing because i messaged him about something uh, and you messaged me again oh they replied and it was really sweet yeah and i appreciate that uh, and you know and it's not everyone i did meet the makers of gosh what was the game lost ember at egx i Feel mean free to you, cut this out if you want to andrew and you, they you were near them i was near them they barely spoke to me and they, they were not having any of my shit <laughs> even though and i was like i'm you, you're you, lucky you, i've already played the game because if, your, if your, it, your shit being you telling them that you enjoyed their game i really enjoyed their <laughs> game and he, he looked at me like oh nice there's posters over there it's like fuck <laughs> what the hell what is happening yeah. i was just trying to show like love and appreciation because you know it's not a big studio and you can tell they haven't got a lot of money because they're kind of uh uh sort of demo section only had two computers yeah so it's not i'm like you know what Maybe you've just had enough of people. Maybe someone has ruined your day. That was no reason. Here's an idea, Viv. Why don't we do a, an episode sometime about indie games? Oh, that would love that. I also had a. I also thought um, th- that we should do a video game men episode as well. I mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head. No, 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 but I think that we can find what's, um, good and bad examples of it as well. What's Elena Fisher's husband called? Elena Fisher? Yeah. Who's Elena Fisher? Oh, Viv, you ruined my joke. Because now I'll say Nathan Drake, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, of course she's the wife of Nathan Drake, but then you're oh. just remembering him and not the woman. Oh, Viv, you've <laughs> ruined it. You're, you're a terrible woman. This is how I've been conditioned, Andrew. <laughs> it happens when men are in charge. Not even the women can remember the women anymore. Wow. Also, wow. Elena's boring. <gasps> I mean, to be fair, I still have quite the thing for Marissa from. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. From Golden Abyss, who I won't shut up about, and you've never played Golden Abyss. One day I'll get you to play that. Yeah, I feel um, like they could I'll have just, done with. Just one day when you're off, off traveling for work, I'll be like, just take my, take my Vita, play, play Uncharted, shut up fair yeah anyway lake is really good uh, i love those guys we'll be watching whatever they do again in the future and i wish them all the luck with it i hope if i genuinely hope if this has sounded like the chill relaxed game you want to play that you will come and back please let us know and that's what we've been playing and that's what we've been playing Yes. And calm. Okay, so we have had this episode planned for a while now, but wouldn't you know it, they've only gone and announced a new Monkey Island game. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, 
nobody cried when they saw <laughs> I can only imagine. Um, thank you. Thank you to our, our good friend, uh, Alexandra Mataxa, uh, who texted me. I can't remember what I was doing, but she texted me while I was working on something. And she was like, she just sent me the thing. And I was just like, if this is a, a late April Fool's joke, I'm going to be so angry. <laughs> and then it wasn't. And I had a bit of a cry. Did you imagine so. jokes? <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks, Alex. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yes. We are gathered here today. Mm-hmm. To battle 16 point and click adventures against one another. Andrew has provided me with 16 games that he loves. I have split them into battles and he'll decide the winner. It's like the World Cup of point and click adventure games. Finally, a sports I can understand. <laughs> um. Honest to goodness, it was so difficult selecting only 16. Bless you. I, oh, I yeah. I, I mean, the, the other problem was that when I started the list, quite a considerable amount of them were LucasArts adventures. I mean, unsurprising, but yes. Unsurprising. Um, yeah, that was that was basically my, my childhood was really playing a lot of those. So there are some... I say with certainty there is definitely at least one Sierra game in there. There might be a couple. I actually forgot my list. Sent it to you a while ago. Um, yes, but it was initially mostly LucasArts ones, but I cut I cut some out. So I don't know which games Viv has paired against each other. And Viv, to be fair, probably doesn't even know what nope. the games are. I mean, I know some of them because I've watched you play them. Okay. <laughs> So this could either be really easy for me or really very hard. And to save discussing each game more than once, after I've made my decision about who wins, I will then talk about the losing game. Is there anything else that you want to add? Uh, a couple of things. Uh, if you love point-and-click games, or if you want to learn more about any of the games that I've talked about, I do highly recommend a book called The Art of Point-and-Click Adventure Games, which was published by Bitmap Books. Bitmap Books. That's... I've never said that out loud, and I can't say that out Bitmap Books. It was published by Bitmap Books. Bitmap Books. Sorry, sorry, Bitmap Books. I'm not Bitmap Books. Say it posh. I can't. I can't. It's published by Bitmap Books. It was published by Bitmap Books. I'm not making fun of you. I genuinely love you guys. And it's such, it's a beautiful book. It's a big coffee table book. It's fucking stunning. And I'm so happy I got it. I think it was like £25 or something. It is wonderful beautiful images interviews with almost all of the key figures of the genre across the decades um the 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 one i have covers all the games from uh, 1984 through to 2020 it's i just love it so much um because you know those were the games i grew up playing and it's just yeah reading and- interviews with people about those games and how they made them and it's just i love it it's just a great book and just in general just check out bitmap books if you like uh, oh, yeah, those sorts do. of things they do lots of things with so um uh, like game boy art collections sega they do uh ultimate guide to side scrolling beat-em-ups they've got they've got a lot of really yeah. cool books so definitely check check them out bitmap books bitmap books bitmap books bitmap books bitmap books secondly I did not enter Monkey Island 2 or Broken Sword into the knockout stages of this competition because, unsurprisingly, the final would have been Monkey Island 2 versus 
Broken Sword. Monkey Island 2 would have won. Broken Sword would have been second. I know it, you know it. It's It would have been inevitable, and nobody wants to know how this will end. So that's how that is. And if you've not played either Monkey Island 2 or Broken Sword, then you should, or I'm not talking to you, and we can't be friends. Those are strong words, Andrew. I, just, I stand by them. I will die on that hill. Okay, well, let's start quickly before you alienate everyone, then. Okay, well, I mean, sure, fine, sure, let's do it. Give me my first combatants. We have... Yes. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Okay. Up against, and I randomised this, mm. Day of the Tentacle. Oh! I hate you. <laughs> I don't think I could have done... Uh, I could have done any better to start, to be honest. I'm really far away from the microphone because I'm leaning back in thought. Oh. This one hurts. Oh. I like inflicting pain. Go on, Andrew. But the winner is going to be Day of the Tentacle. Ooh. Um, okay. Well, tell me. Do you want to know why it hurts? Yeah, tell me. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is the most important video game in my life because it's the I I and bear in mind like I've done uh, I did a squishy shorts video on our Instagram where I played a game called Castle Quest which is one of the first games I ever played but Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is the first game that was not just a educational game like it was a proper story narrative game that i played before i'd seen an indiana jones film wow okay and I, at least i believe i remember i remember this more than i remember the first time i saw an indiana jones film and it's awesome. the game that made me love video games and in particular lucasarts who were lucasfilm games at the time then it became LucasArts. Now they're back to Lucasfilm games. My dad bought it for himself. Rude. <laughs> As he it's usually getting, does before. The, yeah, the game came out in 1989. Uh, I want to say probably around the summer, because it would have been around the time of the movie. Um, I would have turned eight that year. So we're wow. talking seven or eight. So my dad had bought it for himself, and we played the game together until he got bored and i stuck with it because i was like i must discover how to finish this game um so just un learning the uh, to understand how a point and click adventure worked understanding the verbs because as you saw when we played uh, monkey island 2 it had all the pick up push pull look use yeah, yeah. all of those verbs all the inventory items were just text so it involved a lot of reading to understand which is you know good for a it's educational kid. Yeah. I also think like a lot of my love of storytelling came from there as well because just discovering how to progress the story was really important. Mm. It is, unsurprisingly, the story of the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and you just get to play as Indiana Jones and play play the adventure. And it's wow. great. It's I great. can't believe I did that to you on the first round. That was the first round. That really hurt. Well... So long, Indiana Jones, and my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's that's quite a first round. Okay, round two. Okay, oh God. We have 
Discworld 2 Missing Presumed uh, against mm-hmm. King's Quest 6 Air Today Gone Tomorrow. Why did I put so many games I love on this list? I guess that's the that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Oh, oh I didn't expect this to be so difficult. <laughs> I mean I genuinely thought I'd write this list and be like, no, this would be really easy. I think it's oh. also there's a you know the the nostalgia and the experience you had with this you know it's probably just all coming back to you now that I'm presenting you with the options. Uh, with some pain, King's Quest wins. King's Quest, okay. Then tell me about Discworld. <sighs> Why are you sad that that's gone? Disc Discworld Two is fucking great. So Discworld Two is obviously set in Terry Pratchett's fictitious Discworld universe. Of books it's taken from that you plays have you read any of the discord books i have not sadly um the star of the first couple of books he did um the main character was a wizard called uh, rincewind and that's who you play in rincewind rincewind yes don't say it like it's weird okay the main character from monkey island is called guybrush they that's Rincewind's I, I just wanted to make sure I had it correct, Andrew. <laughs> I don't know why you're making a big deal out of this. <laughs> and is voiced by uh, the Monty Python star Eric Idle. Perfect casting. Wonderful casting. Discworld 2 is where death goes missing and Rincewind sort of has to go on an adventure to find him. It's very funny. It came out in 1996 and would have been absolutely groundbreaking if Broken Sword hadn't come out just before it. Aww. Because um, the thing that Broken Sword did that was groundbreaking is uh, it moved slightly away from very blocky pixel animation and had this very almost Disney-esque cartoon aesthetic. Like, the cutscenes in, in Broken Sword are still stunning to this day. Yeah, I think yeah. you've, 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 really you've aged the well. Person. Yeah, they're beautiful. Broken Sword got in there with this wonderful aesthetic that blew everyone's mind. And then poor Discord, just slightly after, came along with also beautiful hand-drawn animations. And everyone was like, ah, oh, that's like the other thing that was really beautiful. That oh, just came no. Poor game. Shame. Um, it, I mean, if you, if you love the Discord series, you'll love these games. They are really difficult to find now. Brand new. So you wouldn't be able to, you can't go to Steam or GOG or anything. They don't. The rights have just all over the place. Who knows who even has the rights to these games anymore? I have seen the PlayStation versions on CX for about fifty something pounds, I think. Ooh, wow! Yeah, yeah. holy I do shit! Have, it's yeah, like an, I do it's have, the same price as a new game now. Yeah, hang on. Should, should I do a quick Goog and yes, see please. Ex- exactly how much? They are going for. While I do that, I, I will say I should have somewhere my original PC CD copies of it. So this game in particular for the original PlayStation is to buy new, well, to buy from CX in quote unquote mint condition, forty two pounds. Woo! Uh, the no- shit. The, the non mint is thirty eight. The original game, Discord One in any condition, in its box, and CX is £58. Oh my gosh, it's like a new game. Yeah, the the oh, third, that is, that is the third game, the third game, Discworld Noir, or if you buy it on PC from CX, £3. If you want the PS1 edition, 50 
Okay, I mean, so it, this yeah. is the similar thing we were you were saying in the NFT episode about you know the more rare something gets, yeah, <clears throat> the more expensive it's going to be. Yeah. What What else would you like to know about it, Viv? Ask I Ask me. That's... Maybe you should ask me questions about. Oh. What, uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that was that was that was a great sort of. I feel like people also just check it out. I think there's there's so much uh, in those games that you can't really say. Sometimes you just yeah. have to experience it if you the, can. Obviously, they're quite expensive. The first Discworld was renowned for real moon logic for some of its puzzle solutions, like proper. What's moon logic? Just something that is so far out that it doesn't really make any sense. Like, right, you can't really get to the solutions quite easily. It doesn't. No, you'll you'll see the solution. You're like, I don't know how you would expect me to get to this point. Right. Okay. So, Discworld Two uh, really didn't have a lot of that. It really pulled back on that. It made a lot more sense. That's good. I yeah. think. Uh, I guess it comes with when you're developing as a you know company or a style of game where you know maybe you're trying to put your, all of your might into something and you understand it because it's your game but it doesn't necessarily translate to someone who is just you know a peasant like me and just thinks regularly <laughs> and hence to do that yeah i really distinctly remember getting it being really excited i played it a lot like a real lot it's it's genuinely charming funny really quite long game i think it was it was on a few discs it might have been it was definitely two. It might have been a couple more. Maybe there's only two. I can't, I can't remember that specifically. But yeah, it was, it was a big, long game. It was lovely. Are you ready for round three? Yeah. Isn't it weird that all of these games I'm describing that lost sound great? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't have put them on the list if they weren't great. That is true. That is true. Oh, God. Oh. All right. Round three. Oh, no. Oh, no. I genuinely randomized these. I picked a name and I put it anywhere. I feel like this is the last one I did, actually. I went around and it ended up like this. So, What have, what have you done? What have I done? So I have The Dark Side Detective. Mm-hmm. Sam and Max Hit the Road. Oh, poor Dark Side Detective lost. That was quite a quick decision, though, but nothing was ever going to beat Sam and Max. Dark Side Detective, very new, 20, 2017. Actually, it's the most recent game on this list. There has been two... Fumble in the Dark's just had some new DLC for it, free DLC. All the post-launch cases are all free for both the first one and the second one, which is really nice. Still very much point-and-click, very different in style to some of the point-and-clicks you've watched me play before, in as much as that, except for very minimal movement, uh, the screens are essentially static, so you don't move your character from one place to another to pick things up you'll see something you'll click on it and it's any the characters pick it up does that make sense yeah 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 it and it not to say that that's uh boring or anything like it's not simplistic in a way that doesn't make it fun it's just the style of the game and when you leave a room to go into another room uh it just fades and then fades up and you're just you and Dooley are just standing in a in another room hysterical the games are so charming i cannot describe enough how much people should play the dark side detective both of them yeah i have been yeah i was gonna say i really have been thinking about 
um, some point and click stuff because uh, I've not played a point and click in a while. And I was thinking I might venture into uh, the new uh, uh, Beyond the Still Sky first. Oh, yes. I would like to go back and play copy. some other ones. I do because I've also, at kind of your recommendation, uh, bought Full Throttle and uh, I've got Grim Fandango and stuff as well. And Ooh. you know, so uh, which I watched you play on stream. So I do have yes. some point and click games. I because sometimes I just get the urge and I just want to play that kind of style of game. But I've I've not come around to wanting to spend that time like that yet. I think I'm ready for a bit of a shooty bangs at the moment. But um, but yeah, but Full I I own them and I um. I think I've added Dark Side Detective to my wish list. Good. Dark Side Detective. So it's a series of cases that have like an overarching narrative, but each one is an individual case. So you will play case, case to case. They take uh, an hour to two hours, depending on how quickly you can solve problems and puzzles. A uh, similar setup to sort of uh, the Sherlock Holmes games then. Yeah, so it's I like it's it's one a, one story, but like but the the cases are all different, and they you can you know they're playable in yeah, a couple of I hours. Think that's, I think that's I think that's a fair comparison. Um, yeah, very very big blocky pixel style, but really evocative. Like you understand everything that the characters are emoting, even though the detective and Dooley just have one colored face like they don't have any defining features on their faces but you understand exactly yeah. what they're what they're meaning and everything which is um which is an incredible way of telling a story it works really well it's great it's really well great then, go play it people yeah are you ready for round four andrew yes okay so we have mm -hmm. space quest six roger okay. wilco in the spinal frontier mm -hmm. against blade runner Ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the win here to Blade Runner. Okay. Space Quest Six. So here's our first, our first Sierra game. I'm not, I'm not a, a, an expert on Sierra. They do predate Lucas, Lucasfilm games. So, contextually for point and click graphic adventures. So th I, I would say that their start really came in. Oh, you know we're doing those squish venture things where it's yeah. a text adventure choose to go this way choose to go this way yeah the the root of a point and click is really in those kind of text adventures so you would take the, you, that idea of the book was then transposed into the game so you'd like you're standing in in a small clearing and then you would type into the thing uh look you can see a bush examine bush there's a shining object examine shining objects so you would type in what you what yeah. you would like to do and the the game had very limited vocabulary so if you wrote in something you didn't understand it'd be like don't understand punch and you'd be like oh, <laughs> what what exact word do you want me to to write here game those original games were very much text-based so it was all just written text you would write in what you wanted the game to do go left go north open the door fall over that sort of stuff and then as processing power became better uh, you got very rudimentary static images that were slowly drawn on the screen for you. <laughs> it would still be the same sort of input, but you'd actually, like if you're standing in a clearing, there'd be a four or five coloured <laughs> pixel um, <laughs> image of it. It was, the, it was the late 70s, early 80s. Leave us alone. Sierra weren't the first, I don't think, but they were the biggest to hit uh, with movable characters. So the first King's Quest. Yeah, okay. You could actually 
move your character around the world map and then you would type in what you wanted it to do walk up to a door open door you'd open the door that sort of thing that's sort of the history of where sierra started and sierra and lucas lucas hearts were definitely the big rivalry in the late 80s through to the mid 90s like that was in adventure gaming that was the the big thing that was definitely more in the the lucas arts thing um sierra were brutal with their happiness to kill you if you think i'm right cheap deaths into the squish ventures like i've got nothing on sierra really like if you didn't save your game and you picked up a piece of glass that cut your finger sierra game would kill you and you'd be wow. like where where was i before i got here so it's some of them are just stunningly brutal and how happily they will just do away with you like um the king's quest uh, when you start the game and you're outside the the castle there's a, a little bridge and then a pathway up to the front door if you didn't direct your character well enough you could just fall off the path and then you get eaten by crocodiles wow right at the beginning of the game wow so wow, yeah that's, that is brutal so obviously space quest 6 the sixth game in the space quest series if you don't count all the times they remade some of the previous ones comedy game set in space kind of by this point it was a parody of star trek it came out in 95 so it was around the time that uh the next generation was sort of coming to an end but star trek was back in the in the cinema uh and we were getting deep space nine was around this time so star trek was still pretty big in the consciousness at the at the time so it's kind of very much parody of that and it was the first of the series that i genuinely liked and it was the first space quest i actually finished because I, I I did struggle quite a lot playing these Sierra games and actually finishing any of them. I Shame. finished I finished a bunch of them, but some of them I just couldn't. Um, like I've never I've never finished the first Gabriel Knight game, and it it pains me that I've never finished it because I love the first half of that game that I've played so many times over the last almost thirty years. But I've never finished. I did. I have finished. Gabriel Knight 2 and 3. Why didn't you finish the first one? I don't know. There's just something about it that I just sort of lose my way with it. Wow, maybe this, really is a, it. maybe this is a, a little challenge for you. <laughs> but yeah, Space Quest 3 very funny. Played it all the way through. It was one of the most beautiful games at the time, in, certainly from, from Sierra. I really liked the style that they had in that. Um, yeah, the puzzle sort of made sense. It didn't seem quite so kill happy as as some of their other games yeah i liked i liked space quest 6 well then okay roger, by the way roger wilco is the name of the main character that's who you play awesome there you go okay are you ready for round five yes we have mm -hmm. beneath a steel sky mm -hmm. against toonstruck oh poor toonstruck yeah beneath the steel sky wins um I mean, I've never seen Toonstruck, and I had a guess that Beneath might win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Toonstruck is great, though. Um, never finished. No, I finished it. The game never finished, if that makes sense. So it was, huh? um, it was supposed to be the first of, I think, two games? So the game was so big, they had to cut it, cut the story down, and they released the first part of the game, and they were going to make a sequel with the rest of the story. 
but for reasons of business, uh, Toonstruck didn't sell enough, so we never got the other part of the story. Uh, very well, simple. Yes, very simple premise. Uh, you play as a character called Drew. By the way, this game came out in 1996. You play a character called Drew, who is a cartoonist, and the game starts, and it's um, it's all done uh, live action, so it's filmed actors, and you play it's uh, Christopher Lloyd, uh, who um, uh, Doc Brown, uh, Uncle Fester, that guy, you know, you know Christopher Lloyd. You've seen Back to the Future, haven't you? Yes, 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 yes. I needed, I needed, a, I needed a, a film reference because you know the names for me yes. mean nothing. Doc Brown, the, the, yeah. The, yeah, 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 yeah. That actor, Christopher Lloyd, plays Drew. Okay. Filmed, filmed live action, and you—he's working on a cartoon character, and things aren't going well, and he gets sucked into the world with the the character that he draws, whose name is Flux Wildly, and is voiced by Dan Castellaneta, who voices Homer Simpson. Oh wow! So okay. We're talk- yeah. Um, Tim Curry is in it as well. He's the uh, he's the villain in the piece. Incredible! Like there's an incredible voice cast. Like if if you were at the absolute peak of voice acting in the nineties, you they are likely to be in this game. They're like um, the uh, the Troy Bakers of that time. Yeah, yeah. So yes, you get sucked into this world. The villain of the game. Count Nefarious is slowly corrupting the world. So all the lovely stuff that Drew intends is being corrupted and perverted. And I think as an adult, I kind of understand that it's this idea of your intentions as a creator against those of the people you're working for and what they want you to do. So the whole world's sort of getting all yucky and horrible and stuff. And it's your job as, as the character, as the main character, Drew to fight back and to stop that and try and save the world that you created in your imagination and it's beautiful so um christopher lloyd all the way through is filmed so it's one of those fmv games so all the backgrounds and all the other characters in the world are all animated and it's all looks like a warner brothers cartoon nice and then nice. Uh, so imagine uh christopher lloyd again imagine roger rabbit uh, but reversed. So when um, you've seen Roger Rabbit, haven't you? I have not. No. Oh, Viv. For not everyone else. born in this country. I don't have time to watch all the Portuguese things and all of the English things. So for everyone else, imagine towards the end when Eddie goes to Toontown and you got Toontown and then uh, Eddie's live action in it. Imagine that bit of video game. Um, yeah, uh, Toonstruck is great. Um, I love Toonstruck, but. I do love Beneath the Still Sky a bit more. Um, you do indeed. But uh, Toonstruck is so easily available. I think it's on GOG. Uh, it works off Scum VM, so you can play it on most modern systems right now. Yeah, if you love Christopher Lloyd and you want to play a point-and-click adventure, that's one of the ones he's in. Go and play that. All right, round six. We yes. have Full Throttle mm-hmm. against The Dig. Oh, why are you I, making LucasArts I, I and LucasArts did, again? I did that as well because they both came out in the same year. They did. Very, very different. Hmm. Actually, I'm going to shock you. The win goes to the dig. Okay. Well, I don't know the dig, so I've only seen... I don't think I've even seen Full Throttle properly, but I do own the remastered version. All right, tell me why. What's, uh, well, tell me why throttle. not Full Throttle. 
Um, I I love full throttle, as you know, and I keep, won't shut up about you it. Won't shut up about it. I really won't shut up about it. You need to play it. Uh, great music, great character, great performance of Ben by Roy Conrad, who um, sadly passed away a few years back. The villain of the piece, Rip Berger, is voiced by Mark Hamill. Does a wonderful wonderful villain in that the style is beautiful it was really one of the along with the dig one of the first lucasarts games that came out that wasn't an out and out comedy it there are funny bits in both games in fact but it's un, unlike your summer max and your day of the tentacles that are real laugh out loud comedy games this one's a bit darker uh, so ben is the leader of a biker gang who are framed for the murder of the owner of a motorbike company called Corley Motors. So you're, you're framed for the murder of Malcolm Corley and all of you, the rest of your gang are all arrested and you go on the run and you have to clear your name. And that's sort of it. And it's got, um, there was a biker gang that did the music for it and the music's all wonderful. Yes, I just, it's... It's really, it's really atmospheric, really nicely done. No real moon logic solutions. Um, you just got to think, you just got to think slightly differently. Like, spoilers for one solution. You need to get a welding torch and it's being held or being used by an artist and they have a, a workshop under their trailer. So you knock on the door, you can see the, the welding's finished you can hear that the the guys come into his trailer and uh, you, there's a peephole in the in the door that you can look out. What are they called? Are they called peepholes when think, you the think, thing in your door when you can look out and see who's outside your door. I think it's a peephole. Yeah. So there's one of those, and you can see that it's lit up, and then it goes black as the guy stands in front of it. And the solution is that once he's at the door, kick the door in and you'll knock him out. But it's it, yeah, again, it's that okay, sort of yeah, thinking yeah. slightly differently because of who you are as a character, how you solve problems, because you're not... And Ben's not a bad person, but you're also... You're a, you're a big, burly guy, and sometimes the solution to problems is to get a bit a bit more handsy, or in this case, a bit footsy. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. Fucking play full throttle, Viv. Damn it. I know, Andrew. I need to quit my job. Okay, so in this episode, I am calling out for... Uh, sponsors for myself if anyone would like to sponsor a viv so that she can stay home and play games please come forth um and i will provide all of the playing that i can manage with my free time thank you thank you thank thank you thank you yorkshire tea for the <laughs> all right round seven yes you have simon the sorcerer against mm -hmm. grim fandango it's going to be grim that wins and i'll tell you for why Simon the Sorcerer is great. Uh, a British-made game, 1993, so sort of coming out around the same time as Dead the Tentacle and uh, Sam and Max. And me. Brit and you. <laughs> I was British also coming out. <laughs> yes. Have you ever watched Red Dwarf, Viv? I have not. Well, Simon in this game is voiced by Chris Barry, who plays Rimmer in Red Dwarf. So as a, as a kid, <laughs> so I was... I was 11, 12 when this came out. So was watching Red Dwarf because it was one of those things that was 
probably slightly aimed slightly high older than I was like by about three or four years it was probably like a 15 16 year old starting point but it is that sort of thing you watch when you're a bit younger and go Tee -hee -hee, at the same. it's <laughs> yeah. a bit it's a bit naughty um so I recognized Chris Barry's voice uh, again this is most of these games I I got on on release I was very fucking lucky I think to have parents that bought me this stuff and just let me sit in my room and play video games all the time um so it takes its inspiration from fairy tales you uh, play a normal boy called simon and you find a spell book in your attic and it opens a portal to a mythical world and you go through and then you have to find your way home I think that was the gist of it. Okay. Uh, it is it is available on iOS, I think, still at the moment. So you can play it on your phone. I don't recommend playing it on your phone. Um, but I think you can also get proper copies of it from GOG. Don't hold me to that because it might just be a port of the phone version. But yeah, it's um, yeah. there was lots of uh, Lord of the Rings references in there. That's where it took a lot of its inspirations from. Um, very funny, very British, a lot of... A lot of fun. There's a character called Swampy that everyone in the entire world hates except me. I why does everyone why. hate it? Because he's fucking annoying. Okay. I don't. Okay. I don't know why I like Swampy, but I do. Um, I just always felt sorry for him. He didn't have any friends, and he went round. Um, I think. I think part of the reason, and this is maybe unfair, why Simon lost out here. I mean, I do. I do love Grimm. Simon is one of those games where the returns diminished significantly faster beyond the first game. Um, I think we talked about this on a previous episode when we were talking about... Um, oh, yes, it was when we were talking about Deponia and how the main character got more and more obnoxious as the series went on. Yeah, yeah. I could have called that Simon the Sorcerer Syndrome. He is almost unbearable. In the second game, wow! Okay, it's, they it, uh, they changed voice actor, and he just had this sarcastic mean streak that's quite was quite difficult to go through. There was a third game that I did own a copy of, but could never get working. That went three D, and I have no idea what that story is about. And then the company that made them went bust. The property, the rights were sold, and I think they've made three other ones. Um, a German company's made more. Simon the Sorcerer's that have nothing to do with, with the originals. Because um, I've never understood the reasoning, but point-and-click adventures have always been huge in Germany. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. That was always the, mar the biggest marketplace. Uh, so if oh. your game sold well in Germany, you would tend to get sequels even if it maybe didn't sell well in in the u.s if you were a u.s company hmm. um because there would be enough demand from the german market that they could make another one and it would still sell well it's so weird weird yeah so yeah the the rights to some source were picked up by a german company and they've they've made a few more but yeah um so, yeah simon simon's good okay yes. round Eight and the final one of the knockout round okay. is a broken age against police quest open season. With a little bit of sadness, I'm going to give the win to police quest. 
All right, talk to us about Broken Age then. Broken Age, which came out in 2014, was a return to point-and-click adventure games by Tim Schafer, who was one of the writers for the original Monkey Island games. He was one of the leads on Death Tentacle. Full Throttle was all him. Grim Fandango was all him. He went on to do the Psychonauts Wow, games that's quite a Double record. Fine, like he he's the founder of Double Fine. Oh wow! Like incredible. So Broken Age is a Double Fine game. Uh, he it was kickstarted. They raised a lot of money, uh, and the his push was like I'll make another point and click adventure game, and it is gorgeous. It's got a wonderful pastel art style. Elijah Wood plays Shay in it, the main uh, one of the two main characters. So uh, the two main characters are Shay and Vela, and their stories essentially happen around the same time. So you can choose who you start with. So you could start with Shay, or you could start with Vela and play through their stories. I think, if I remember rightly, you can change during it. If you get a bit stuck, you can be like, oh, I'll just pick up with the other one and see if I can get on with that. Um, Jack Black's in it as well. Ugh. Um, yeah, he's, he's quite good. He plays a man on a cloud who's something to do with knots, if I remember rightly. It's Is he it's Jack really Black lovely. in it? No. It's one of the one of the least Jack Blacky ones. Uh he's in um, Psychonauts 2 and is delightful in it. Okay. You, you sound so unconvinced. Um Just I just want to see like I would love to see him in something where he just not doesn't play the same character in every single thing he does. Like, I get it's a strong branding, but... Ugh. Oh, I can't wait for your opinions about him being Claptrap. Maybe you better not fucking ruin Claptrap for me. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, so, yes, Shay lives on a spaceship, and he's the only occupant of the spaceship, is uh, mothered by said ship, uh, who is called Mum. And you start to uncover through his story the more and more about the ship and what's going on and you sort of start peeking behind the curtain as you will and sort of delving into all that that's going on with that and then uh shay's character lives in a tiny village and the game starts with her and a few other girls being offered up as sacrifice and shay's like Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope's right out of that. And you go off an adventure for her to be more than just a pretty thing offered up as a sacrifice for goodwill of the town or whatever the reason is that they try to do it. Um, and then towards the end, under, understandably, the stories sort of collide and sort of smash, smash together. It's it's beautiful and lovely. And Okay, well then. Right. That wow. does conclude our knockout round. Are you ready for the quarterfinals. Yes, or no. Right, round nine. Okay. We have Day of the Tentacle mm -hmm. against King's Quest Six: Air Today, Gone Tomorrow. This is only going to get harder, isn't it? Day of the Tentacle against King's Quest. I'm going to have to give the win to Day of the Tentacle. Okay. Fuck, I'd really love King's Quest Six, Along with um, Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, which we've talked about being like the first thing that I really latched to 
adventure game wise, point and click adventure game wise. We did have the original King's Quest. I remember distinctly that falling into the moat thing and being eaten by crocodiles. I remember bits and pieces. The whole typing thing, because this was must have been mid eighties that King's Quest came out. Maybe eighty eighty six or eighty seven. Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Um like that was quite difficult for young me to work out exactly what the game wanted me to do. And then the you know, the game the series kind of went through um most of them were led I think they were all led actually by uh, Roberta Williams, who was one of the founders of Sierra. But uh, King's Quest VI was written by Jane Jensen, who went on to do the Gabriel Knight games that I've spoken about. And there was just something about King's Quest VI that I really latched onto. Uh, so you're playing Alexander, and I really can't remember the specifics of what the story is, but I just remember that I really dug the puzzles. Like, it was a story that I enjoyed playing. I remember doing there's like there's a couple of things one you can fast travel in the game so if you want if you're somewhere and you need to get somewhere else or you need to go back and do a puzzle thing you could just use your map and uh a lot of um sierra games were narrated which was all i always found very weird the voice narrator guy in um king's quest 6 would always say and alexander pulled out his magic map and i was i just always liked being uh, pulling out my magic map um and it was a delight and then I was talking about how Sierra liked to kill you. And it's one of the few games where there was a, a way that they did it that I thought was really good. So there's an evil character who you eventually realize has these kind of gold uh, sparkly eyes. Uh, so they sort of glint. So there are a few times throughout the game where he appears in different disguises. And you can always recognize him because of the eyes and tries to tempt you to do things and if you do them he kills you and that's the end but you get the choice to be like no thank you very much but you're the evil guy i'm not doing that and i just i remember because this is 1992 this came out so i was 10 going on 11 when this game came out and i just remember that it was maybe the second time that that guy appeared that i remember linking or going golden eyes that is bad i need to keep an eye out in case that occurs again and then just knowing that the next time that twinkly eyes turned up be like nope having yeah, none of your bullshit thing. yeah um you know and that's that's a that i that i like that way of teaching you stuff in a game like be, uh, recognizing markers in something yeah, that you found bad before that is going to always be bad the second time around yeah. yeah it's that's not an unfair death if i see twinkly eyes and i'm like oh yes what you want me to eat what oh yum 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 now i'm dead that's yeah. my fault and i th that's that's on me not in the game and i i appreciate that yeah king's quest 6 i really liked i really enjoyed that one um i don't know if you can play it buy it and play it on modern consoles i might have to look into that and see if it's held up as well as my memories of it. But you also might have noticed um, a running theme with some of the Sierra games on this list. We've got King's Quest and Police Quest and Space Quest. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They liked they liked their quests. <laughs> I don't say. Yeah. So round 10 in our quarterfinals is Sam and Max hit the road against Blade Runner. Oh, motherfuck. Oh, that's proper hard. 
Yeah, that's why you're doing it. Because you know how much I love Summer Max. Oh, is Summer Max about to get knocked out? <gasps> but I fucking love that Blade Runner game. I wish I could uh, help you out with this. And the winner is Blade Runner. Ooh, okay. So, talk talk to us about Sam and Max. Fucking love Sam and Max. We played it on stream, and you got freaked out because I almost ended the game early. Yeah, the the well thing really got yeah. me. Oh, and bye, and that's finished now. I was like, <laughs> what? what? No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I wish the game was over. And then just the end. Uh, yeah, you know I love Sam and Max. You heard me squeal with delight playing the VR I did, Sam yeah. Max recently. I showed you my collected comic book that I've had for as long as um, Hit the Road's been out. Um, I think I got it in 94, maybe? Um, so it's it's knocking, knocking 28 years I've had that comic book collection. Sam and Max, uh, 1993. The creator of it worked at LucasArts as a background artist and uh, did a lot of the box art for games if you ever actually while i'm talking can you do a google image search for zach mccracken and the alien mindbenders and tell me how great the box art is for that game so he worked for the company he'd already created sam and max by the time he was working for lucasarts doing animations and he would always hide Sam and Max throughout the games. They're in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade as well. When you're in Indy's office at the university, there's they're on the shelf. They're in the original Monkey Island game towards the end when you're at the giant monkey head. Not in the special edition. It's replaced okay. by uh, a tentacle. So it's a little totem of them in the original version. If you switch back in special edition, you'll still see them. So they'd been peppered throughout the, the series. And then LucasArts were like, well, let's fucking just do a, let's do a Sam and Max game. And it came out the same year as Day of the Tentacle. Day of the Tentacle was at the beginning of the year. Sam and Max came out later in the year. And it's just hysterical. And I love them. And it's weird and wacky. And nothing really makes sense. And everyone everyone in that game is just odd beyond belief. Can you can you remember anyone that was normal in that no, game? No, 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 no. Um But there's no there's no cynicism or meanness in there. It's just wacky bright colorful shenanigans and they're video game wise they've lasted they there was three telltale games that happened that are being remastered uh now they've remastered uh, the first two seasons of that for every fucking thing that exists except playstation um and they're doing the third one there's the vr game obviously recently there was there was going to be a sequel that lucasarts were working on uh, but they cancelled it when it was like 98% complete because they didn't think there was a market for point-and-click adventure games. Oh. Then another company whose name I can't remember uh, were making one and they filed for bankruptcy, so that didn't happen. So yeah, it was, there, was a, there was a bleak period. It's been a but, journey. But the Telltale games uh, are great. They, If you have a PS3, you can still play them on that, I think, from the store. But the the remasters look lovely, and I hope they'll eventually come to PlayStation once. Maybe once they're done with the the trilogy, they'll go back and throw us a fucking bone. But yeah, and I need to play some more of the VR thing. Did you look up that poster? I did. That that was great. Yeah, it looks really it looks really cool. Yeah, uh, that's that. actually the only LucasArts game I've never finished. Oh, okay. I don't. I I should go back. I just don't. Weirdly, I don't. 
understand that game. I don't understand that game well enough to have ever completed it. Um, but oh, it has okay. has has maybe been knocking on thirty years. Oh no, that's not true. It must be about twenty years since I last tried it. So maybe it's worth a retry at some point and see if I can figure out what the heckings is going on. Oh, I believe in you. Oh, uh, the uh, I had the original box for that one. And it came with an actual printed newspaper when boxes used to just come with cool shit inside them. The um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade game that we talked about ages ago, uh, that had a copy of Indy's Grail Diary from that uh, from that movie. So, yeah, oh, it's, that's cool. it's, it's just it's really nice stuff that used to come with games. Yeah. Now, we, now you're lucky if you get stuff without having to pay... An extortionate amount. Yeah. 170 quid for it. Yeah. Yeah, you used to just get that stuff. Sam Max, good, good stuff. Play all of them. Shut up. All right, let's go for uh, round eleven. I think it is we're on. Sure, numbers. We have beneath mm-hmm. a steel sky. Yes. Against the dig. I'm sorry, the dig. You came so close. Not everyone wins. can win. That's true. All right, talk to us about the dig. Another LucasArts game came out in. It finally came out, sorry, in 1995. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head how long that game had been in development, but it went through three project leads before it came out and quite significant changes. One of the original versions of The Dig had four main characters, and by the time the game actually came out, they kept the same. Um, sort of art. Sort of art, but just. Gently scrubbed out one of the the main characters. I mean, nice. that's how long the game was in, in development. Uh, so, the game originated as an idea for uh, Steven Spielberg's TV series, Amazing Stories. But he realised that his vision for this story was completely outside the realms of a television show budget. So, you play as a character called Boston Lowe who is a NASA scientist, and a asteroid has come into Earth's orbit, and Boston, along with uh, Brink and Maggie, travel up to the asteroid to investigate what the heckings is going on. They get inside, and it turns into an alien craft, and they are whisked off to an alien planet where adventure begins. And terrible things happen again a lot like a uh, full throttle but more so a very serious lucasarts adventure very beautiful very mysterious and ethereal taking place on an alien planet was uh, unique and weird again much like other games around that time like Sam and max and and full throttle and such it did away with all the verbs and okay. it was a very Just, very yeah. simple point and click uh, interface yeah, I I mean I I I loved it. It's it's been on my list of things I'd like to play on stream at some point to show off because it's one of those games I just think people don't talk about enough anymore. Some um, games really do just get lost because yeah. um, sometimes there's just so much to look at um and do and you know it mixes in with what you do for um in your spare time that you end up just like missing some stuff. Yeah. If it's not right in your face. 
Yeah, I mean, I I loved that game so much that I bought the novelization of it as well. So I read the the book version of wow. that. So yeah, it was originated as a Steven Spielberg thing. Like if you read any interviews with any of the development teams, because again, there are a lot of people that worked worked on that. Um, yeah, they talk about how he was very very involved. So they would ha they'd go and show him designs and stuff. Apparently, he's uh, Spielberg's a massive gamer. So yeah, when he thought it wouldn't make a TV episode, he's the one that took it to LucasArts, being friends with George Lucas, who um, the company is named for. Um, yeah, took it to them. It's a good game. It's a really good game. Looks like people have a lot to play from yeah, this episode, so keep, keep a note of this. We can also post all the games and how they've progressed through the uh, tiers, so keep an eye out for that. Okay, so let's go on to round 12. Okay. We have Grim Fandango against Police Quest Open Season. Okay, Grim wins. Grim wins. All right, oh. talk to us about Police Quest then. I love Police Quest. This is Police Quest 4. I'm not a big fan of the other three, I'll be honest. Again, very typey out what you want to do. -y. I think Police Quest 3 had moved on to a traditional point-and-click interface, but I just I never got on with the, the other three. But open season really, really changed up the the formula. It's a lot, a really adult game. So this is a 1993. This came out, and I remember getting this in Australia because we were on holiday, visiting my aunt and uncle in Australia. My parents bought it for me, and I installed it onto my uncle's computer that didn't have a sound card, so I couldn't hear any of the voices. I could hear occasional sound effects, so when I did things right, it would go bidding. But I wasn't entirely sure what any of that meant. But I still loved it. Police detective story. Game opens with a murder outside a convenience store in LA, and it is, uh, in some ways, tedious busy work because you have to go, you have to uh, investigate the crimes, you have to go, okay, here's the body, I have to go into my bag, I have to take out some chalk, I have to draw around the body, uh, here is uh, some bullet casings, I have to draw around those and take a picture of them. So you have to like properly investigate crime scenes and do everything to the book. Then you have to go back to the uh, police precincts. After you've interviewed everyone, after you've taken statements, then you have to write up all your reports properly by... Uh, as far as I can understand, proper police procedures. So it tries to treat everything seriously. It's not just turn up, press use keyboard, animation, I've done a document, off I go. Like, yeah, there's there's a bit of work to do. Like, the uh, the game came with a... <laughs> it came with a LAPD police manual in the box. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, a way more adult... Thing. I mean, you go to a strip club or something. I, I can't. I mean, I can't believe at eleven or twelve I was playing a game where character went to a strip club, and it was uh, again one of those kind of early nineties games where they started to use uh, video a bit more. I mean, it's pixelated to fuck, so you you can't see you can't see a nip, but you know where a nip would be if, it, <laughs> yeah. if that nip wasn't four <laughs> or five four or five pixels. But you you know where it would be. Um, so yeah, it was all shot actors and then uh, digitized into into the environment. So the the environments were all photographs, but it was just it pixelated as all heck. Um, well, I was reading up a little bit about it before we did this, and the game is largely still well regarded, but is 
uh, criticised now for some of its representations of minorities and the stereotypical lazy way in which they wrote black people speaking or Hispanic speaking. You know those kind of yeah that lazy white person way of like, well, I need I need them to sound like they're from the inner city, so they're gonna right right okay um, which really hasn't aged well. But the case that you're investigating, the serial killer, um, yeah, I just, I, it was fascinating and an adult for me at the time. And and I enjoyed the bureaucracy of police work, weirdly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, that's quite cool. Okay. Um, funnily enough, I'm just, I'm looking at my little grid here. Mm-hmm. And I can see we're about to move on to the... Semis? Semi-finals. Mm-hmm. How many there So there are four games, mm-hmm. uh, and I know three of them. So that's oh. good. So you have shown me some of the best games. Yeah. So in round 13, okay. we have Day of the Tentacle against Blade Runner. Ah, oh, damn it, Viv. Are your games? I'm going to give it the win to Day of the Tentacle. Okay. Because I can play Day of the Tentacle in my head right now. I can't do that with Blade Runner. You've you've watched you've watched the movie Blade Runner, haven't you? So I you have, know. yeah. So this Blade Runner is a game that happens concurrently to the movie. It has a lot of choice in it, so it is possible, depending on how you the things you do and the order in which you do them, you can at one point see Harrison Ford's character from the movie in the game, only in the background. If you do the correct things in the correct order to okay. have that happen. But there's other bits and pieces like you'll go to the same, some of the same places that existed in the movie and there'll be evidence that Rick Deckard, um, Harrison Ford's character, has been there, which is, you know, as a, as a fan in the, in the 90s it's a really of, nice detail, yeah. of Blade Runner, like that shit really got me. Uh, so uh, the, the game came out in 97. There is, um, there has been talk for quite a while now about there being a remaster of it, but a, like, who the fuck knows who has any of the original content of this anymore? Um, because it was uh, a company called Westwood that made it. They were mostly known for their Command and Conquer games at the time. Bought out by EA, just eaten alive by that monstrous company. So who knows where any of that stuff exists anymore? Once EA shattered Westwood, so the 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 company that are doing it are trying to rebuild it from a copy of the game. So they've ripped it apart and they're trying to rebuild the game to work on like everything now and just rebuild and remake it and make it look all lovely. But so sounds like a shit ton of work. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. Um, so yes, uh, detective, very similar to the movie. You are hunting a bunch of replicants in the world who uh, were had been off planet to crash on earth you're tasked with going off and, and finding and, and retiring them um again because of the way the game plays you can uh, end the game where you're also a replicant you can end the game where you kill everyone you can end the game where you um one of the characters that you meet along the way you can uh, drive off to the sunset with her like there was lots of ways that the game could be beautiful beautiful uh, pre-rendered animated backgrounds they are stunning and they 
I can't remember what technique they used for um, McCoy, the main the character you play, but he is not a 3D image. It's, I think it was like they made a 3D animation of him and then made that into like a 2D sprite just to save on processing power so that it wasn't always like having to generate a fully 3D image. But it looks really nice, and uh, if you like Blade Runner, it's, it is that world that you get to play in at that time, and you cross, cross most of the characters and they're most of them are voiced by the people that played them in the movie yeah it's uh, beautifully evocative uh, i think it is on gog if you want to play that version of it uh, so you can uh, pick that up there uh, if you if you love blade runner you like point and click adventure games um and maybe we will get a remaster of it who knows i mean <laughs> it's one of those things that if it came out you would be all over it i mean yeah. not as much as return of the monkey island but yeah, go play that right. shit. So round fourteen, mm-hmm. beneath a steel sky, okay, and Grim Fandango. <sighs> anyway, this goes. It's gonna be hard, but I'm gonna give it to the wind to beneath. Okay, I mean that's that's very fair. So tell us about Grim Fandango, and if anyone listening is interested, Andrew has played this on stream. I um, did play this on stream. So have a little checkings out of it because it was it was fab. I really love I really love that game, even though yeah. I never played it. Uh, I mean, uh, I have been drinking out of my uh, Manny Calavera thermos um, during during the recording of this. Um, yes, I love love Grim Fandango. I love the world. I love the style of it. Uh, I love the music. I love all of the characters. So you play as Manny Calavera. You are a travel agent. Your job is to meet with the recently deceased and sell them the best tickets into the underworld. The best being the number nine train that will get you there in nine minutes. Uh, and then there are other options. And then the the, the cheapest one is um, walking. And you have to walk for... I can't remember how many years it is, like four years or something, uh, to get to get to the underworld. And there's a whole noir conspiracy of underhand dealings and shady practices and all sorts of things. And Manny with Glottis, uh, your driver, go on a big, huge... Oh, Glottis. Yeah. Like, the biggest, hugest adventure. You end up um, owning a casino at one point... Um, oh, it's just such an adventure. It really, I really enjoyed watching you play that. I just, um, it's very charming mm-hmm. as well. Like, and I love the. It's a, quite a dark-looking game, but like, like not scary or like kind of heavy. It's just like really charming and great. Yeah. Uh, did you ever watch the TV show Ugly Betty? And I think I talked about this. I did. Stream. Yeah, I have watched it. So, Grim Fandango came out in 1998. Ugly Betty was sometime in the 2010s, I think. And I watched the first episode. I mean, I watched quite a lot of the series. I didn't finish it, but I watched quite a lot of it. And the, ep- the episode's going along, and Betty goes home uh, to speak to her dad. The moment that man spoke, I went, that's Manny Calavera right there. <laughs> like, his his voice is so Distinct. ingrained yeah. in my in my being from Grim Fandango. And you know there was there was a few bits when we played it that I couldn't remember that my brain was a bit like 
the problem I I had with it, as you would know, is that I knew what I was supposed to be doing, but not how to do it. Yeah, you, and then there was. I remember at one point you were try, you knew how to solve it, but you were missing one piece of the puzzle, and that yeah. you had gone so far ahead that that one piece was missing. Yeah, I remember you just walking back and forth trying to find it. it was something around the tattoo shop. I remember oh, being so yes. frustrated. Yeah, and, and also the uh, the dog track that yeah. really fumbled me, and then the the bit with the um, beavers. Of the beaver dam as well with the bones yeah. oh but, yes yes but then really weird things i was like yep i know exactly what this is um so yeah That's i, I i'm excited game. for you i'm excited for you to play it yourself and just yeah it, it is available on ps4 uh, yeah. on playstation sorry so you can play it i will play it someday um it is available so go and check it out yeah because it is fabulous but andrew Oh, fuck. Are this you ready be... for the finals? No, this is too difficult. Round 15. This is the finals. We have a Day of the Tentacle against Beneath the Steel Sky. Good luck. I fucking love both of these games. I know you do. You've talked about dressing as the uh, What's a Majig from Day of the Tentacle. Yes, I keep talking about getting um, Devon to make me a tentacle costume when um, from when Laverne dresses up as a, uh, as a tentacle in the future. You remember that bit, don't you? Uh, she, sort she's, of. She's yeah. in the future. You get Hoagie to give a blueprint of what a tentacle looks like to the lady that makes the oh, American yes. flag, yeah. and then the American yeah. flag changes to a tentacle. Then yeah. you give that to yeah. Laverne, and then she can dress up as a tentacle and move nice. around yeah, yeah, in a yeah. world where humans are pets. And I've always wanted to have a costume of of that because because it's great. Because you can buy a like a giant traffic cone costume, and I thought. Get one of those. Get some fabric to Devon. She can easily make a red and white striped tentacle costume for me. Maybe one day. But we need a winner, don't we? We need a winner, and we need it now. I know what I would pick, having played neither. (laughs) But you've watched both of them. But I've watched you play both of them. I'm actually just going to select it now and see if I was right. Um, 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 Okay. I'm going to... Should I announce the winner or the loser? The winner, please. And the winner of this incredible sporting competition is Beneath the Still Sky. Oh, that's not what I would have picked. And genuinely, I'm going to I'm going to tell you the reason for why. So, Day of the Tentacle came out in 1993, and I'll sort of talk about both games in one rather than doing one and the other because then maybe make this section a little shorter rather than talk about two games Dead of the Tentacle came out in 1993 so I was 11 or 12 Beneath the Steel Sky came out in 94 a late, year later so 12, 13 what I was interested in was changing and Beneath the Steel Sky even though I'd played stuff like uh, Police Quest the year before and um, King's Quest's the year before that, there was something about Beneath the Steel Sky that was so adult as a change in my video game interests, which was cemented two years later when Broken Sword came out and just changed how I viewed storytelling. But there's, there's, there was something so evocative about the world of Beneath the Steel Sky. And again, so you've, you've watched me play both... Dead the Tentacle. And Dead the Tentacle is such a Looney Tunes kind of a cartoon story. 
Yeah. And it's wonderful. And all of the characters are brilliant. And I love... It's weird because I, if I saw his name written down, I'd call him Bernard. But because of the game, he's Bernard. And I, I love him. I love Hoagie. I love Laverne. I love all the, the tentacles. The weird... Um, the Edison family are all odd. But there was something about Beneath the Silver Sky. And I don't know if it was necessary just that I recognised some Britishness in it that was obviously missing from the America-based things like Day of the Tentacle. But there was... I, maybe it's the maturity of it as a as a narrative, as a story that was so... I was so ready for at that time that it it really did change how how I viewed games and how and the kind of games that I wanted to play and the kind of stories that I was interested in. And obviously I still played the, the, the LucasArts games. It's not that I ever stopped because the year after it was Full Throttle and The Dig and then blah blah and all the Monkey Island games. So Monkey Island, the Cuts of Monkey Island came out in um, 97, I think. Um, just just phenomenal. We tried to play it on stream, but playing it on Mac is not fun because no. it, it crashes all the damn time. But yeah, the, I, think, I think Beneath the Still Sky and then two years later, Broken Sword were real turning points in point-and-click storytelling for me and sort of more mature storytelling and it's really stuck with me i mean you you watched me play beneath didn't you yeah of course because you were you were uh, asked you to play it so i didn't have to so i could play beyond yeah yeah because i started playing beneath the steel sky uh a long time ago on my phone which really i think i really enjoyed playing broken sword on my phone but i wasn't really enjoying it on uh, for, for this particular game and some of it is uh, I just couldn't work it out, and I don't have the patience. And it's not the sort of game that gives you hints. So yeah. um, uh, you already know in the game, kind of uh, played it on on my behalf and let yeah. me watch, uh, which is good. Yeah, I mean, I think it also says a lot when I think about it that at separate EGXs, I have met the creators of both of these. Yeah, you have games, and I was wearing a purple tentacle T-shirt when I met. Tim Schaefer, uh, who complimented me on my T-shirt. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> and and you've been around me when I've met Charles Cecil. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you did. And, uh, quite and, childlike. And, and got all giddy. Yeah, you ev did. Every Sick single time. Boy. Yeah. Beneath the Still Sky, designed visually by Dave Gibbons, a prolific comic book artist. Uh, I think you'd probably most recognise him from something like Watchmen. He through the comic so it, it it's a stunningly beautiful designed world that's i mean that was that ended up being a, a tough final because day of the tentacle it's is really tough yeah i mean i i should say as well that uh i think we've might have said these things before that um on upon the release of beyond the steel sky andrew was clearly fanboying over something that they actually messaged us and gave us a promo code to buy one of their t-shirts uh, for the for the new game, which is really really sweet, and we we appreciate it so much. Um, it was a very very uh, much of a highlight moment for us, which I've still not worn because it feels like a bit of a precious thing. I'm not ready for it yet. I was about to announce that I was 
wearing mine. Oh, wow. Wow, but okay. I, but I'm not. But do you want to know what I am wearing? Okay, yes. I'm wearing, I'm wearing my Broken Sword 5 t-shirt from the, <laughs> from, from the Kickstarter. <laughs> what would have won it had it been in this lineup? Yeah. I, uh, well, no, the, the original Broken Sword would have won. Oh, the, um, yeah, I, couldn't, I I mean, I couldn't have put any of them on. Actually, I maybe could have put three or four, um, which are good, but um, would have probably, might have been beaten by other things. Um, but the, definitely the first two and probably the fifth wouldn't have been fair to have them on there. I mean, the first one is Stone Cold Classic. But Monkey Island 2, actually, sorry, beyond all that, Monkey Island 2 wins. I didn't take part. They, they they weren't involved in the competition, but they still win. It's the best, best game ever made. Uh, it has my heart forever. Yeah, that's that's very fair. Sorry, sorry, beneath the still sky. <laughs> you, you may have been number one, but Monkey Island still won. <laughs> God, I love Monkey Island too. Indeed, you do. Well, that was a very exciting little tournament we just had. That was uh, quite an insight into you that we've all just received, Andrew. Yes, uh, I, I feel like you talk about point-and-click adventures a lot. Yes, um, and I don't know that we've really seen the full extent of it until today. I. What's even more embarrassing is that when I was trying to decide on these games, I realised that there are some serious holes in my point-and-click life. Yeah. I own all of the Tex Murphy games except Overseer, and I played most of Under a Killing Moon as a child, but never finished it. So I've got all of those, uh, and I'm f- so far behind on my Wadget Eye games, who really have picked up the mantle of classic point-and-clicks. So if you want to play a modern point-and-click in a classic style, the Wadget Eye games are for you. I had um, Gemini Rue on my phone when it came out, but then I learned that I don't really like playing games on my phone. It's very fair. Um, Certainly certainly not not those kind of games. I mean, I did play Broken Sword 1 and 2 on phone when they came out, but it's not my preferred way of playing either of those games. It's just small and like always, yeah. It's not like having a, a portable console where you've kind of got... It's kind of a, a different setup. It's quite a lot of looking into a small screen. Yeah. But yeah, so, so it sounds like you have some point-and-click games that you need to go off and play. I do, and I'm so open to any suggestions. I mean, obviously, I've played a lot more than the, just on this list of 16. Um, so, But yes, suggest games. If you have point-and-click games at me, suggest them. Shall we tell our good squishies what we are looking forward to? Is there only oh. one game on your lips? Go on. Oh, let's think. What, what was? What did they just announce? Oh, oh. Anyway, it's Return to Monkey Island. It's coming out sometime this year. Shut up, everyone. That's the only game that's worth anything <laughs> for the rest of the year. Until that game comes out, all other games are just mindless filler. I don't that's care. That's fair. I don't care. That nothing else nothing else competes that is very fair that is very fair and uh I'm, I'm looking forward to two games we have mentioned them before but i will mention them again um sifu coming out on the 3rd of may which uh i think both both you and i have vengeance editions for with the sexy steelbook and some yes bits. finally finally the physical versions yeah physical versions coming out 3rd of may we will post what we have on our socials once we have it it's going to be fab and then we were here forever which i believe is the fourth game in the series Mm-hmm. Uh, of the We Were Here games uh, coming out on the 10th of May, which should be exciting. Not that we've played anything beyond the first one, but once that once we do, we'll have a fourth one to play. That's very exciting. 
uh, and that's what we are looking forward to. We're looking forward to ruining our friendship some more with We Were Here. <laughs> yes. Yes, see absolutely. If we can, see if we can make their um, their video of content again. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Gosh, uh, if we haven't said this already, we have made it into one of their sort of promo videos about essentially like worst friends, you know, <laughs> in the game and people arguing and we're there. We're right there. Yeah. Um, when when Andrew left me to die, well, so, so you should you, go check that out. Well, you trusted me. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Shut sure. up. Your mistake. Shut up. Thank you for listening, everyone. We appreciate it very much because we got to talk about Return to Monkey Island. <laughs> Indeed we did. And if you would like, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter on at Game with Squishy. And if you'd like to support us, you can make a donation for as little as the price of a cup of coffee to our Kofi page. And that's ko-fi.com slash the squishy stream. Please also join us on our Discord to chat about the show and for some supplemental information from each episode. We will be popping in some trailers of all of these games up soon. If you would like to check them out, do come and join us. Thank you for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye. Return to a girl's come girl. Squishy it. <laughs>